Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Rimli Thapa is the founder of Love Raw, the vegan brand of gluten-free snacks, drinks, and powders. Rimi was formerly a hedge fund marketeer, but she turned her back on that in 2013 and set up Love Raw. She started out by investing £600 in packaging and a blender to secure her first order of products, which she created in her own kitchen. And in 2017, she featured on Dragon's Den and was offered £50,000 in investment by Deborah Mead. And that's quite impressive, which even more impressively, she turned down as she wasn't prepared to give up a 30% stake in a business she had worked so hard to build. She has no regrets about making that decision as her company has since gone from strength to strength and in 2018 was valued at £1.75 million. Wow, what a story. It is uh, particularly lovely to have Rimi Thapa as our guest today. So welcome, Rimi, to the Sandro Forte podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Pleasure's all ours. Uh, so let's get straight into it. I, I'm really fascinated to hear about this story because it's a brand I and lots and lots of people know pretty well. Uh, but but obviously, Rimi, a big change going from, you know, hedge funds to vegan snacks. What made you to decide to make that jump and why in particular vegan snacks? It's, yeah, it's an it's an interesting question. I'll give you the, the medium version. There's a long version and there's a short version. Um, so basically, after graduating, the, the kind of path naturally led me to... Um, finance and and then hedge funds because I did economics okay um and you know I I worked in hedge funds for about I'd say six or seven years and then I met my husband and you know his business was in Spain and you know when it when when we were going to get married it was it was almost like well do you come to London or do I go out to Spain um and he's self-employed so it was it was like okay you're you're you can come out of Spain. Um, so, I mean, I, I did really enjoy kind of my time um, in finance, uh, but then I was almost ready to start another journey um, and, and and see kind of what life I could make for myself out there. Um, and there is a um, Gibraltar, which is a, a tax-free jurisdiction and it's it's got a lot of private banks, but I couldn't find the role that I wanted. And... Um, at the same time, my father was quite poorly. He had had um, a brain hemorrhage and I was going to and from UK to Spain, kind of visiting my dad. And then, um, you know, he passed away. And then I kind of just naturally, um, I was grieving. And then I just kind of started going to, um, you know, farmer's markets um, as I was in Andalusia. And... Um, I, I I guess I just felt better eating well and I, I found that that was my thing. And then when I, you know, I used to work kind of 10, 11 hour days and then I thought, you know, I want to kind of reclaim, you know, my time again to do something that I enjoy and something of my own. 
So that's when I thought I would start making bars and, you know, you know, premium bars. Because when I was buying things for myself, they said they were natural and they were healthy. And in fact, they weren't. When you look closely at the ingredients, you know, there were still ingredients that, you know, weren't that great for you. Although, you know, healthy is is still quite a subjective thing. Um, so, you know, I just thought I need to get out there and I tried to set up the business in Spain and there's a lot of bureaucracy, there's a lot of red tape and it, and it didn't work. And then I moved back to the UK and, and set up at, uh, it will in my in-laws house, um, in their kitchen and, and it, it literally kind of just started from there. Amazing. When, when you talk about a new journey, uh, there's a lot of people that would be listening to this podcast, Remy, and they do so because they want to get inspiration from people like you with an amazing story. But when you talk about a new journey, uh, a lot of people have got an idea for a new journey. But how, I mean, clearly it must have been very, you must have been apprehensive. It must have been uh, a, kind of a worrying time. You know, some people think, as I'm sure you did, oh, there's a lot at stake if it all goes wrong. Or did you not? Did you not think in that way? And was that the reason why you got the thing up and running rather than kind of worry about all the, uh, all the potential negatives? You know, I think for me, it, it wasn't the decision that, you know, I'm going to leave hedge funds and I'm going to do the vegan business. It was kind of almost, you know, as out there as it sounds, a series of life events that led me to the business. And when I was going to start... It was scary. You know, I, you know, had just been married a couple of years and I was going to leave my husband in Spain and move back to the UK um, and and live with his parents without him being there, which is a little unconventional. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, I thought, what have I got to lose? Um, and and, you know, something that maybe I don't talk about too often is, you know, the grief that I had, you know, after my father, because I, 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 you know, I was grieving and I did go through a really bad time. So when I did start the business, I just thought it can't be worse than how I was feeling, you know, the last 12 to 18 months. So, you know, it, it felt good to do something new. I felt energized and I was, I was excited and I just was very optimistic about it rather than risk averse. Um, it, it, and, and a lot of the time I am risk averse. So, um, mm. I think it was just my mindset. I had a good mindset and I came, I was in a particularly bad place. So I just thought it, it couldn't have got worse than I was in. And if it doesn't work, then what I just, you know, I go back to Spain and I think of something else to do. Yeah. What, what I've just found fascinating about what you said, I don't think I've ever heard this from one of our guests before, Remy, and I'm going to pick up on it because I think it's a really important message. Although, you know, the, the difficulties, the emotional um, difficulties that you had, uh, you know, given your, your loss and, and the, the difficulties you, you, your family faced. Uh, the thing that I picked up from what you just said is that you, you kind of use that as a, as a way of gaining some kind of perspective. You know, you talk about, well, it couldn't have got any worse for you at the time. So almost using that, whether you're consciously or unconsciously aware of it, it, it comes, comes across loud and clear that you had a degree of perspective, which a lot of people don't have and that's that what leads to a degree of inertia but in your case clearly you went on to do great things um what made you go on dragon's den then so so yeah fast forward um um we you know had well moved back to the uk 
um because for I, I was I moved back to the UK for about 12 months and then I moved back to Spain and then the business was growing so I made well we made then the choice to move back um and then after a couple of years of being back and settled um in 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 the UK in Manchester um we were approached by Dragon's Den and we just thought why not it it was a great opportunity you know it it was down the road as well um and 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 at that point in time in the business we did need investment so we just thought again what have we got to lose we'll we'll go on and it's a great way also of of getting out there to viewers mm. And you, you obviously turned down a huge investment opportunity from uh, a lady with a huge amount of business experience, which had, you know, all kinds of potential advantages uh, for you and your business. Um, how was that, you know, what went through your mind and how was that process of turning down that, that amazing opportunity? And do you have any regrets about it? I think... The whole experience, it, it was quite daunting. It was very tense. Um, you know, I was in there for over an hour and, um, you know, I guess all you see is 10 minutes. But um, I I don't have any regrets, although we needed the investment. I just thought I'm not giving away such a large amount, um, you know, for, you know, a, a large percentage for such a small amount of money. It, it didn't feel right for me. You know, initially when I started the business, I was working, you know, 15 hour days. Um, and I've, I've put a lot of effort and I've sacrificed a lot of time, you know, it, with my family, you know, for the business. And I just thought I'm not ready to part with that much equity. It didn't feel right. No, and good for you. And, and what advice, Remy, since you're very well qualified to, to give this advice, what advice would you give to somebody who perhaps is looking to grow their business? And on the one hand, they need investment, which many mm -hmm. businesses do. On the other hand, they have kind of enough belief in the business and they know that logically it doesn't make sense to give away, as was the case with you, 30% of the business for £50,000. So on the one hand, uh, logically, it makes sense to walk away, but emotionally, you kind of feel obliged. What advice, given your own experience, would you give to somebody that has that kind of dilemma? I think, you know, it, it's great if you go on to Dragon's End and you receive an offer which you're happy with. Um, but, you know, if you're not, which was the case for us, um, you can always go out there and, and validate your business, you know, to other investors you know, there's, you know, right now there's so much scope for small businesses to receive investment. There's so many angel investors out there um, and firms that want to invest in entrepreneurs and small businesses because, you know, they they know that these businesses flourish and can grow and, and it's a good investment, you know, for investors. So I guess at the first instance, it would be an investment round with family and friends, you know, ask, you know, tell your you know, the people closest to you um, will know, you, 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 you know, you and what you're doing and they'll believe in it. So, you know, they're your greatest supporters and, you know, angel investors. So I guess that that was our first round. So after Dra Dragon's Den, you know, we kind of put it out there that we were looking for investment. And, and that's who we had invested in us, literally our family and friends and um, angel investors. Mm. 
And you've mentioned your family a couple of times. So, you know, you now have a young family. And the thing that's so lovely about these podcasts is that um, they're very authentic. You know, we're having a conversation now while your your daily parenthood is going on, you know, in the background. Um, yeah, so, they're um, in the other room. <laughs> how do you, you know, young family, how does the pressure of providing for them impact on on these decisions such as the ones you've made so far and your plans for the business moving forward is it you know clearly a constant juggling act how do you how do you manage to cope with with all of that it's funny you say that because when I initially started the business I was um I wouldn't say like newly married maybe married a couple of years but still looking back now had a lot more time um and then you know as the business has evolved my family's evolved as well I had my daughter and then I had a little less time and it was demanding you know I had to try and balance being a mother and the business at the same time um you know I had to make sacrifices you know I I went back um after a few months I only had a few months for maternity and I had to put her in nursery pretty soon um so you know I that that's how I've I've balanced that and you know I've got family that are local to me that help on weekends and you know I'm not at that stage and you know we don't have the budget to get like a full-time nanny and you know it's not so perfect you know it's it's you know almost you know 5 30 now and the I'm still at the office and the the kids are in the other room and I've just shut the door. <laughs> so, so that's how I balance it. it there, you know, honestly and truthfully that there, there is no balance. You just kind of got to embrace kind of both things overlapping and um, not get too stressed about it. But I'm quite open. My daughter's four now and we talk about work quite openly with what, what we're doing and trips that we're going on. Um, and, you know, she often asks questions too and, um, you know, she wants to come and work with us when she's older. So, um, oh, bless so her. that's nice. And my son's, you know, nine months. So, mm. um, I'm still feeding and, you know, we're, we're quite open here in the office as well. So, mm. um, yeah, there's, there's just a huge kind of spillover with personal life and, and work life. And, mm. um, yeah, we just kind of get on with it, to be honest and not well, think about it too much. But it's the, it, isn't it? The case. I mean, I, my own personal experience is that I started my own business from a converted garage next to my house with uh, twin children who were a month old when I started oh, business. So yeah. I had two of them being rocked with either foot. It's the, the, the time I learned I was ambidextrous. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, and that's but it's the imperfections, isn't it, Remy, that make life perfect in many ways? Because uh, nothing yeah. is nothing is ever perfect. And I think no. if you accept it, then you, you know, you're destined for greater things than those who constantly strive for it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true, and I, I guess with children, you just control is so out of reach. You just have to let go, mm. um, and and just kind of take each week as it comes. You can't plan ahead too too much. Um, I mean, in the early days when I had my daughter, I used to take her to business trips because I was still breastfeeding, and mm. you know, I, I fed her for about a year and a half, so she came with me to like work trips to Germany and you know to to London oh gosh I mean more recently 
we're, we were um, just closed an investment round and we were seeing potential investors in London and my in-laws were meant to look after the children, but they were um, not feeling very well. So we had to take them with us, you know, so we kind of rock up in, you know, Chelsea <laughs> to this old school venture capitalist firm. And, you know, we thought we were just going to see, you know, the, you know, the analyst um, mm. there. But instead, we end up seeing the founder um, <laughs> who opened the door and he just kind of looked at us because um, I was like, can I can I go into a separate room and feed before we start the meeting? You know, because we'd just been on a four hour journey from Manchester to London. Um yeah, so, uh, but, you know, to be fair, my four-year-old, she was quite good. And, you know, you know, I, ha- I had to give her the iPad for kind of a good 45 <laughs> minutes. And, you know, <laughs> a bad parent. But, you know, that's, it comes in handy and you've got, you've got to do what you've got to do. But um, he's asking me questions about marketing and financial figures. And, you know, Rui, when, well, then he was like four or five months old, was, you know, spitting up sick on my back and answering <laughs> questions. And I just thought just came out of there and I just thought I never want to do that again and I can't believe I just did that um but he was quite impressed he was like well I you know I I give you how determined you are um you know coming here with your children so um so yeah well good for you tell tell me about I've got to ask you about this because I know one of your favorite products is buttercups and how you've managed that huge achievement with a toddler and whilst pregnant yeah, my um, the, the actually the buttercup project was from the beginning of my pregnancy to the end of my pregnancy. So we started kind of you know the NPD and um, samples and um, kind of recipes right at the beginning, and it was only about a month before Rui came along that we had launched. Um, it was it was quite a stressful time to be honest. Um, you know, because things don't go right, deadlines aren't met. So I think I just, I just had something on my, you know, a, a project on my mind and I had to get it complete. I mean, I don't know about other women, but when I'm pregnant, I'm, I'm on a mission. I, I need to get something complete. I don't know what it is. It's like, I, I have to kind of fulfill that and then think, okay, and now it's time for the baby. So I was like, I need to get this buttercup project finished definitely before the baby comes. Um, so, so yeah, I, I just had to divide my time, you know, in the, in, I, I pretty much work, you know, nine till five and my nurse, daughter was at nursery and then I just spent evenings, you know, with her and tried to get everything complete and over the line before the baby came. Mm. Uh, I, I also need to ask you uh, from in-laws kitchen you know to your own your own factory your own kitchen factory and employees and all the rest of it goes to running your business what overall is the hardest part of running your own business for me I know I'm bringing it back to kids but I, I'd say the hardest thing is sacrificing time for work for your kids um, because sometimes you know even though you've left work and you're at home the problems of work are constantly on your mind. Um, and as the business grows, problems grow. Mm. And it's not the case where problems disappear. The bigger your business gets, the more problems you, you, know, you receive. So it's just about how you handle those problems. And it constantly comes home with you. So that's the one thing that I do find difficult, even though there's no balance between home and work. 
sometimes I I'm not fully present when I'm with my children because work is on my mind. Mm. And as, uh, as I've got to ask you, has Deborah Meaden been knocking on your door since you turned her down? Funnily enough, no. But I was thinking of um, touching base with her, actually. You know, to be fair, she was she was very nice and she was the nicest out of all of them. Um but you know, re- we you know recently we've we've just closed an investment round mm. um, with a Swiss venture capitalist firm um, who invest in vegan funds. Um, so you know we've we've done a multi million deal with them. So it would be great to touch base with her just to let her know how we've evolved since Dragon's Den. Yeah. Uh, or put another way, in your face, Deborah. Uh, yeah yeah well you know if she did invest you know at at, you know the amount that you know we said to it it would have kind of multiplied um you know three or fourfold well good for you then good for you for sticking to your guns because you obviously had enough belief in yourself to to turn it down that turned out to be a very wise decision how's the company evolved then since you since you started it i mean obviously um you've talked about the financial success of the business but what have you kind of learned along the way what's What's happened as that evolution, evolutionary process has taken place? I think it's um, it's a funny one. The business started off from a passion, from something that I wanted to do, you know, and I, you know, it, it started off as a lifestyle business. So mm. I would say it, it kind of fitted around me and... And I didn't think about growing and scaling. It was just like, I'm really into health. I want to make something, you know, premium and transparent and honest um, and get it out there to consumers. So and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And and then, you know, this industry was getting more popular, you know, the wellness um, and now vegan more recently. So it it. You know, we've learnt a lot along the way. We've made a lot of mistakes also along the way. You know, and then at one point it, it was, do we continue this as a lifestyle business to fit around, you know, um, you know, our lifestyle? Or do we grow and scale this into, you know, something bigger? And and that's what we're doing now. We, we chose to, to grow and scale um, and to make it into kind of, you know, an FMCG business and, you know, try and get out there to the masses. Um, but you can't do that. You, 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 you know, we bootstrapped for as long as we could. And then when we had an order from Waitrose, we ha- needed um, money for working capital. So that's when we did our first investment round. Um, and then more recently, you know, we, we need more working capital uh, and we also need to invest in um, in staff as well, um, you know, as well as, um, you know, marketing and building the brand. And, you know, it, you can't bootstrap and, and do all that. So that's kind of, you know, forced us to do a second investment round. But, you know, we've, we've got a good partnership with um, our investors. Uh, so it, it has evolved and it's quite organically it organically evolved um to be honest it was never from day one i want you know i want to build and 
you know scale a business it's it's it, it's just kind of grown year on year and it's evolved and it's changed year on year to what we want to be what the you mentioned the uh, the, the kind of the vegan culture forgive me i'm paraphrasing you didn't use those exact words but vegan culture obviously becoming more popular what what kind of effect has that had on your business in terms of uh, of demand and competition is it is it healthy kind of competition does it create its unique set of challenges do you do you find that this shift towards more you know um the popular view of healthy eating is helping your business or with the increased competition do you find it squeezes margins i mean what how are you finding that move towards a more popular and and healthier way of life uh, is affecting love raw yeah, it's, it's a funny one because our product offering has also changed. Um, I mean, we started off with the the cold press bars, which we were one of the first on the market and they did extremely well. But, you know, within a couple of years, there were more, other, there were other cold press bars on the market. Um, and then it did almost become a commodity. And, you know, it was just, you know, um, you know, on price, which is the cheapest. Um, and, you know, our sales declined and, you know, it, it, it was kind of a thing. Do we carry on with them um, or or do we kind of concentrate on other categories? And we did the drinks and we did the blends, the powder blends. Um, but we and then we launched the buttercups and we've decided to discontinue the the bars and the drinks and the powders and now we're just solely focusing on the vegan chocolate category because it's you know it's by far been our most successful um category to date and you know we've got various ideas with how we want to extend this category whereas with the with the others it was almost like well how can we you know extend this category what are the products can we do but with the vegan chocolate it's a little bit more exciting you know it's chocolate it's not just cold pressed you know fruit nut, nuts and fruit it and it's not just you know almond milk um i think there's a little bit more excitement in the indulgent vegan space um but you know in there there are other vegan chocolates on the market however i think it's how you position and how you offer yourself which can, you know, make you stand out and differentiate you from your competitors. Mm -hmm. So I think the movement now, and I say movement because it's veganism is not a trend. It is a movement mm -hmm. and it's here to stay, whether people like it or you don't. Um, you know, I recently read an article um, that, you know, companies like ourselves, um, small challenger brands aren't supported by retailers and buyers because they're 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 so ingrained in their offering but now there's a shift towards kind of offering vegan snacks um so you know if they like it or not they have to offer you know the types of products that you know challenger brands are offering and you know there's bigger brands will come along i think galaxy recently just um launched a um a range of vegan chocolates but um i don't feel that they offer the same innovative profiles as small challenger brands mm. so um i think it's 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 going to 
change. I think the the offering now from retailers and what buyers are after now it it is changing and it is evolving. Um, and you know, there's I know vegan vegan is still a small percentage of the population, but what is increasing is I I phrase it as flex flexitarianism. Um, you know, there's not a lot. You know, there's people that want to eat flex, uh, vegan maybe half of the week or do meatless Mondays or be more conscious about eating less meat um, because there's just so much out there now, you know, about sustainability and, you know, the emissions and, and, and climate change and, and how being vegan is just better for the planet. So, um, so yeah, I, I feel like even though vegan is a small percentage, there's, there's a number of growing people that are just looking to to consume less meat and looking at vegan options. I don't think you have to worry about uh, Galaxy as a competitor. Whoever heard of uh, Vegan Galaxy, it just doesn't work on any level. Uh, so I encourage everyone listening to uh, to buy <laughs> yeah. rather than Galaxy. Um, Thank you. Your uh, your obviously your belief in veganism and that movement as you describe. Uh, the difference it can make to the environment and health. And for those who don't know Love Raw, I mean, I do, and many people will, but for those who don't know Love Raw, could you just very briefly describe Love Raw and the difference from your perspective in terms of what it means to the environment and health? Because you've you know, talked about sustainability and emissions and climate change and all that stuff. But, you know, there's clearly a reason why you set Love Raw up and what it is. Yeah. And, you know, as we've spoken about over our conversation it's evolved from from what it is to that passion that I started with is still there um because if it wasn't I I guess I wouldn't be here today talking with you or sacrificing time with my children you know that's what drives me through the the dark days as I call them um and and what motivates me um but i'm passionate about what i do and and why i'm doing it you know we we still want to get honest transparent products out there and you know the notion that vegan food doesn't taste good and vegan chocolate you know those days where you know people look at vegan options and it just looks a bit bland or tastes a bit bland you know we we can make vegan chocolate taste good and that's what we want to kind of set out there for consumers and you know we we don't want to preach um about being vegan you know it's almost like we do vegan chocolate and you know try it so it's almost like we make great tasting chocolate first and it just so happens to be vegan Mm. so what comes next then for love raw i mean obviously uh, a new investment round so got big big plans but what where do you see the business going Rimi? um we have a lot going on at the moment um we are all where i'm already looking at a new category um, which I'm working on at the moment. So it's a new category of uh, vegan chocolate. Um, so that maybe we'll be launching um, hopefully in kind of quarter one. Okay. 
and then we'll just continue to to look at kind of innovative ways that we can extend the vegan chocolate category um so we've got various ideas which um i can't mention too much no no um but you know they they are great ideas and it's 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 the notion of kind of taking classic and heritage favorites and offering them in kind of a, a vegan indulgent format um so you know we're we're growing the team you know we there was four of us last year there's eight of us now um you know we've we've grown you know year on year with percentage sales and you know our turnover as well so you know we're looking at rapidly growing the team as well um so i think i don't have like you know a three to five year plan when it comes to the business i'm just kind of looking at it from you know a 12 to 18 month kind of plan because you know yeah. you can you can have plans but you know they don't really go to plan no um so i i i i'm just going to concentrate on building a great brand and getting maybe more my brand story out there and the personality behind the brand um and just continue to innovate and bring great tasting indulgent vegan chocolate to well the market and consumers well done so uh to all those people listening out there they are now going to be wondering how on earth they access these amazing vegan chocolates so uh if you don't mind would you share uh, either social media website just so people can start uh uh checking you out and accessing your lovely products so if you're a, you've obviously got a website yeah absolutely we are on um eatloveraw.com and you can follow us on instagram which is at loveraw.com okay. no no that is just at loveraw <laughs> at loveraw okay yeah. at loveraw just to clarify super final question remy and thank you for being such a fabulous guest learned so much um Oh, I hope so. I feel we... like I've just been rambling. No, um, it, it, the, it, the ramblers are always the ones that spill the most information. It's great. So, and, and, um, and you know, no, to be honest, worry. I'm quite sleep deprived at the moment because <laughs> uh, my, my son's, he's just started nursery. So he's bringing home every virus under the sun and he's just awake every um, half an hour last night. So we've, oh, we, we feel, yeah, we feel no your pain. I've been there, got the t-shirt. Oh. Um, well, yeah. bless you. Then, then doubly thank you for, for making such a special effort today. The final question then, thinking about uh, grown-up son and daughter, they, they trot into you one day, maybe at the age of 16, and they've got these high-flying plans for their own business and, and success in life. And they say, Mummy, one bit of advice, given, given all that you know now, uh, your, that amazing life and business experience you have, what one piece of advice in a sentence or two can you give to us that would set us on our way in life? What would that advi advice be, Remy? think I would say find something that you're passionate about and that you enjoy doing and just take it from there I don't think and, and I want them to find their own path I I don't want to offer too much maybe of of my kind of thoughts on what they should do but you know I would love to guide them so a starting point would definitely be find your passion and build it from there. 
I would say that's very good advice. So what what a lovely way to finish this podcast um, with with the rather talented and very successful Rimi Thapper. So thank you thank so you. much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thanks um, for having me. And all I can say is I wish you well on behalf of everyone listening. And there's a lot of a lot of people listening. But on behalf of all of us, thank you so much. And good luck with all you continue to do. Thank you. Uh, thank you. And we will also, of course, be committing to buying lots of vegan chocolates from you from now on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, it's, it's been um, great speaking to you, Sandro. We'll, we'll catch up soon. So thank you for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Wasn't Rimi Thapa absolutely inspiring? What a fantastic story. Each week we've got a new guest joining us. So they'll be sharing their own insights into achieving success or, of course, overcoming life challenges. So please make sure you subscribe. Follow us on social media. Sandro's podcast, of course same on all channels and if you want to email us with a question it's hello at sandrospodcast.com and please remember two other things to connect with me sandro forte it's the real sandro forte on instagram sandro forte everywhere else and please leave those reviews on itunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future and of course you'll be automatically entered into a draw to win one of the prizes donated by a guest of the sandro forte podcast until next week bye-bye for now